It's time for Bourbon with Friends, the bourbon podcast that never takes itself too seriously. Pull up a chair, grab a glass, and remember, a bourbon with friends can change the world. Here we go. Hello and welcome again to another episode of Bourbon with Friends, except this is Bourbon with one friend, uh, Connor, who was supposed to wake up, had a doctor's appointment, and so it's just me. But I am really excited because this is the first international podcast of Bourbon with Friends. I am in Scotland right now at the Dewar's Aberfeldy Distillery. Um, I have Craig Reed here, and uh, he's kind of shown me around the, uh, the distillery already. I got to see uh, some of the production pieces of it. And really excited. The smells were amazing. Uh, Craig, how are you doing? And, and thanks for joining the show and showing me around. Yeah, no, I'm doing well. Thanks for coming. Thanks for being here. It was uh, great showing you around and talking about the distillery, talking about the, the production of uh, what we do here at the distillery itself. So give, uh, give the listeners a little bit of feedback, just kind of about your whiskey story. Like, mm-hmm. how did you get into the spirit and what made you decide to want, you know, work in the industry? Uh, so to to be fully honest, I kind of stumbled into it a little bit. It wasn't necessarily a, a career path I saw coming. I've been working at the distillery here for just over five years. Um, before I worked here, I was doing uh, computer art and design in, in university, and I didn't really enjoy that environment. So moved back to hometown, moved back to Aberfeldy. I've lived here all my life. Um, and I basically just came as a, a summer role, a temp sort of thing. Uh, fell in love with it straight away. Like I said, been here five years. Uh, recently started a new role within the company as uh, advocacy host and coordinator. Um, and I'm really loving kind of the challenges that it's bringing. Uh, over the last five years, I've visited countless distilleries, tried even more countless amount of whiskey, which has been amazing. It's always a, a good thing to be able to talk about when you talk about uh, what you enjoy and what you're doing as well. So tell everybody, uh, all the listeners, kind of about the room that we're in, because this is a really cool setting. There's bottles, and it, it almost looks like a mad chemist's office in a little bit of a ways, right? So kind of give everyone like a, a, a brief overview of this, and we'll post a picture on, uh, on Instagram, too, of the room. So, the, yeah, the room we're in just now, it's a, it's a recreation of the original blending room um, that John Dewar's two sons would have used for creating the, the different uh, Dewar's blends uh, originally. Uh, there is a picture on the wall to the side of us here that we can see, uh, and it shows the original, the, uh, the original room compared to what we're in just now, and it's uh, got a really good like-for-likeness, uh, right down to kind of little details, like the door, the table we've got, uh, the bottles that you can see behind me here. Uh, we use them for a blending session that we do on site, and you know people can make their own little blended whiskies to take them away. The main idea for it is to show people it's not easy <laughs> making your own blend. No. no. Um, what, give us just kind of like a brief overview of the distillery for someone who's not maybe familiar with, with the brand, um, you know, how it started and, and kind of, you know, how that's done. Because you told me a little bit about it, and I, a lot of people are really love that nerdy history about, mm-hmm. you know, whiskey. So how did, like, the distillery start and kind of grow into what we sell today? Uh, yeah, so kind of near the start, 1846, you've got John Dewar, um, 
who for a long time was working with his uncle selling wines and spirits and again he fell into the industry, uh, fell in love with it even and opened up his own shop selling wines and spirits. Uh, at that point most people were drinking um, Irish whiskey or brandy, sherry you know, not particularly drinking Scotch whiskey which you know in Scotland wasn't ideal uh, single malt whiskey at the time was fire water, poor person's drink particularly, not a lot of people were drinking it and green whiskey was being sent down south to turn into gin um, so you know John Dewar really wanted to create a smooth blended Scotch whiskey something that actually wasn't legal for another 12-13 years mm-hmm. afterwards uh, through the Gladstone Act um, and he made his brand made the blend it came really popular within Perthshire within uh, Scotland as a whole uh, it wasn't until actually after he passed away and his sons took over two of his sons took over the company uh, Tommy Dewar and John Alexander uh, they kind of shot the, the company up upwards to kind of what it is today uh, primarily by building the distillery we've, we've had a look through again that was the late 1800s 1898 uh, we started production on site here um, is the, the two sons John Alexander he stayed on site and kind of ran things uh, in the distillery whereas Tommy Dewar the younger of the two uh, he went all over the world and promoted the brand he visited 26 different countries uh, doing a ramble around the globe um, he was really kind of a maverick he was a very mm-hmm. out there type guy and it's kind of what helped the company kind of get to where it is you know still today Dewar's is the most awarded blended scotch whiskey in the world uh, for anyone listening from the states which I imagine is quite a lot yeah. um, Dewar's is a name that you'll see left right and center it's not something that even if you're not a whiskey drinker you've probably seen it or maybe even tried it before uh, we don't don't see it often in the UK at the moment uh, primarily because it's our, our biggest market like I said over over in the mm-hmm. US yeah, and the the uh, for those of you in the US it's not called Dewar's I know a lot of you people will say that it's Dewar's. So just so you know, because I guarantee you someone's going to be like, I've never heard of that that name. And then I said that and they're like, oh, okay, shit. That's exactly what it is. Gotcha. Yeah, we, um, get, we get a lot of that. We get a lot of people pronouncing it as, as Dewar's. And you, you told me an interesting thing, like, and it, it was in passing, but I remembered it, that your master blender is, is female, right? Yeah, so Stephanie McLeod, she is the master blender. Um, and interestingly, she's actually the world's best master blender at current. Awesome. Um, she has been for the last three years as well. So she's obviously doing something right. You hope so anyway. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's cool because you're seeing, like, even in, in, in the U.S., you're seeing this massive uptick. You know, whiskey used to be, you know, your, your, everyone would say it's like your grandfather's drink or a, or, a, or a man's drink. And it's awesome to see how it's not, right? Like, it, it doesn't matter who you are, but it's awesome to see, like, that, that element in the whiskey industry is starting to really go where you're seeing a lot more uh, influence of women in the industry. And it's just awesome to see because there's a lot of that going in the U.S. and, and, and here and some of the awards that they're winning is, is awesome. And it just goes to show you, it, we, we change with the times and it's awesome. So mm-hmm. um, really it was when you said that, I was like that clicked and I was like, that's a, a cool little factoid that, that some people not, may not understand. So um, talk to me a little bit about the, the two little tasty treats that I've got in front of me before I like run them, like before I start drinking them because I'm, I can't stop staring at it. Now I want to try it. <laughs> so uh, obviously you need to have the Aberfeldy single malt um, something that I forgot to kind of mention was the Aberfeldy single malt is the heart malt or the base to the Dewar's blend so every bottle of Dewar's whiskey you pick up it's made of up to 40 different whiskies from all over Scotland um, but no matter what 40 they are one of them, or the heart malt, is always the Aberfeldy single malt and that's something we can kind of guarantee that's why the distillery was built uh, the Aberfeldy 12 Spirit that you're trying now um, is 40% ABV, uh, so about 80 proof. Um, it's very sweet, it's very easy drinking. Um, it's one that 
we all would suggest to anybody who's not a huge whiskey drinker because of how smooth and easy drinking it is, but equally it's more of a reason for anybody who is a whiskey drinker to, to have a go at it. It's what we call uh, an, an introductory whiskey, not in fact, not in quality, but in how it's, it's easy, it's, it's easily approachable. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and I agree, like, um, it is, it, the flavor notes say honeyed, fruity, rich. Uh, I really agree with the honey, like that instant kick of sweetness that I'm starting to get from that is, is probably the number one thing that I'm getting from it. The nose, the nose has a nice little, I mean, you get a little bit of that woody, uh, oaky, just a little bit on the nose, but it's really sweet, fruity. Um, it, it and I mean, it's. I, it's solid and it's tw and it's aged twelve years, right? Mm -hmm. So yeah, it's uh, aged twelve. That'll be both bourbon and sherry finished uh, or sherry matured rather. That's um, where you get the fruitiness in. So the flavor profile for Aberfeldy as a whole is always going to be that kind of heather, honey, kind of citrus character, almost like an orange peel, yeah, orange yeah, zest yeah. even. Um, with the Aberfeldy twelve, that's obviously the the kind of the best place, the benchmark, if you will, with the Aberfeldy single malt range to kind of start from there and work your way through it. The interesting thing uh, about it is, is like you, you, you get a lot of the sweetness. It's like, I would say it's a medium finish kind of on, on the tongue, the, but like you get a mild little burn, but it's like late, it's delayed, which is real interesting because usually you're getting, and, and as you all have listened to the show for a while, you've heard us say you get that Kentucky hug. I guess you call this a scotch hug. I don't yeah, know. I is, can or see is that, that new? Do we just coin that? I, I've never heard the phrase before. But maybe it'll kick off. Well, I'll start. <laughs> I'll start using it, and we'll see how far if, it goes. If you get like American tourists come in, you should just say you're going to get that wee scotch hug at the end of it, right? Like, and I think that's really cool because like it's what everyone calls bourbon, like mm -hmm. the Kentucky hug. That, look, now you can have some, something unique. You <laughs> I can pass it. that on. I want ten percent if it becomes a thing. <laughs> anyway. Um, no, this is very good. And so how much does this run kind of like, I, and I know it's different everywhere, but like, what is a normal, typical bottle of, of this cost? About 30, 35 pounds. So it's not, you know, it's not the most expensive single malt whiskey in the world by any means. Um, it's kind of a good kind of entry level one. Um, like I said, for, um, for anybody who's getting into whiskey and doesn't want to cash out, you know, 70, 80 pounds on a bottle of whiskey that they might not even like, it's a good kind of starting point. So in one. the U.S., it's probably around a forty-five dollar bottle. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's and that's that's very approachable. Like I and I tell so many people, like, look, if you're gonna buy a twenty dollar bottle of whiskey, you're gonna not get great whiskey. You get into that thirty-five, forty dollars, forty to sixty bucks, you can get a lot of quality whiskey in that and not have to overpay. Uh, and so that's something that I would definitely rent. Tell me a little bit about the second thing that we're that we've got in front of me. So if you wouldn't mind, I'd like you to to read the name. Craig Lecce? Close. Craig Elicky. Craig Elicky. It's, uh, it's one of the things that... Uh, you all and your CHs and how you pronounce we them. Do. We do. We do. Sometimes there's phlegm, sometimes there's no phlegm. So is that Gaelic? Uh, it's not. It's just the name of the town. It's the name of the um, the town that it's made in. It's okay. Craig Elicky. Um It's up north. It's a Speyside distillery. It's one of the sister distilleries owned okay. by by the company. Uh, Dewar's as a company owns five single malt whiskey distilleries. Uh, Aberfeldy being the first... Um, the one built by the family and over years kind of accumulated like the, the different ones. Like the distillery. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So then we obviously have Craig Elicky, um up in Speyside. Uh, the reason I've chose Craig Elicky is actually a personal favourite of mine, um, not just because of the namesake. Um, 
but yeah, Craig Elke Distillery, it's one of uh, a handful of distilleries that still use um, worm tub condensing. Um, so when we look through our distillery, we use the tube and shell condensing, which most distilleries today will still use. Um, whereas the worm tub condensing works slightly different in that it cools the spirit down as it comes out of the still a lot quicker. And in doing that, it keeps that kind of more bold, meaty character that the spirit's kind of picked up along the way. Um, so the Craig Elke 13, what you've got there, it's... Um, Quite bold, meaty, mouthful type character. Um, I don't know. Really malty on the nose. Yep, absolutely. It's kind of that kind of earthy cereal. Quite again, you'll you'll get it yourself in just a moment. That mouthful kind of feeling that you get with Craig Elke. Mm. Now that's my speed right there. That that is a, it's it really coats your mouth. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a little smoky, like it's mm-hmm. subtle though, like it's not overbearing. So. And, and that's the, the, that's the thing too. Like one of the questions that, that we get asked the most is, you know, do you like scotch? Cause it's real smoky. And I think so many people don't understand. Not all scotch is smoky. Nope. No, no, it, no. That's, that's specific ones. When you get that peat element, you're going to get that heavy, like peaty smoky flavor. And then there's subtle hints. And I think this is like that nice, subtle little bit in there. It's, it's got like that wood smoky flavor, mm-hmm. but you get a lot of that malt, um, I like how you how in the flavor notes you hear it says Maisie in the mouth, Bonnie sweet, but with fire in its belly. Yep. Um, that might be the best flavor note I've ever read in my life. Not gonna lie. Um, it, it's definitely got a longer finish than the Aberfeldy Twelve. Mm-hmm. Um, like I still taste it; it's still there, which is that's I think that's something that you really like. And this is a thirteen-year-old Scotch, correct? Yep. So before you take another sip, okay. well, I might recommend add a little bit of water to it. Now, obviously, water, ice, whiskey. Is always a debate people love having. Uh, personally, I think it's however you enjoy it, especially if you've bought your whiskey, drink it how you want. The reason I said to suggest uh, or suggested to have water with the Craig Elliki is the first whiskey that I tried uh, and noticed a really big difference in the flavor with adding water and without water. Even the nose, it opens it up a lot. Mm-hmm. It becomes a bit more um, citrus fruits, kind of like pineapple kind of characters. Yes. Yeah, it definitely, it's got like that citrus spice. Mm-hmm. Um, so I before, I think you got that malty, like little bit of smoke. And then now it's kind of more like a, it's a little sweeter and more like that. Um, it's still like a spicy fruity note, but yeah. it's really like, it does change it completely. And, and I agree with you. Like, it's, it's actually funny. It's one of the things that we say all the time, right? Drink it how you enjoy it. A- everybody like try a lot of different whiskeys and put water in it and see exactly like how it changes the flavor construct and the profile, because that's how you really kind of understand, Hey, um, that's, what's going to make me like it or not like it. And you know, sometimes you have to prove things down because mm-hmm. not everybody's there. Um, so for someone, let's just say they're a big into bourbon, right? Like mm-hmm. we're just going to go educational now. Um, they're big into bourbon. They're asking, all right, 80 proof to me, that's not heavy enough. Uh, you know, a lot of people are cast strength drinkers or barrel strength, uh, 110 to 126 proof. Explain why, uh, you know, single malt scotches aren't in that range. You know, you see a ton, a some that are a yeah. little higher, but as a rule, why it's kind of more in that 80 proof. I mean, obviously, at the moment, we have noticed more people have had an interest in what we call cask strength whiskey, mm-hmm. where we've not used any water to dilute the uh, the alcohol at the end of the maturation process. Um, I think the main reason for the Scotch whiskey market to be kind of 
typically 40 to 46% ABV. Uh, it's more accessible. I think more people uh, who are trying to get into it, like I mentioned, trying to get into the whiskey industry, are more comfortable trying a spirit that's that 40 to 46%. Uh, you also, with with single malt whiskey, the way we get the flavour into the spirit, there's so many little minute things that will make a very big difference mm-hmm. You know, when they're put together. Right. We don't want to lose any of that, particularly by having all of the whiskey at a higher alcohol level, because obviously you then run the risk of the alcohol burn and that kind of mm-hmm. Scotch hug, uh, kind of <laughs> o- overwhelming the uh, the flavour that kind of the distilleries put so much time and effort into getting. Right. Uh, it's also probably I th- I'd say a lot of the is is the distillation process and the the differences between single malt Scotch and and you know like American whiskey or bourbon. It, I, I think you you have bourbon is naturally sweeter. Mm-hmm. I think for the most part. So I think when you get a higher proof you're getting still sweet with the burn, whereas, and I'm not saying like, it's not like scotch is harsh, but it's a different kind of flavor profile. And at that higher proof, you would probably lose a lot more of like the characteristics of what we're talking about here with like spicy, fruity, honey, that kind of things. It would be dulled a lot more and then you would just get a lot more of that kind of burn. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, obviously bourbon, you're making that with at least 51% corn. Mm -hmm. Corn naturally is a sweeter grain. So I suppose that kind of ties into the the ABV kind of taking a factor where you've got a bourbon that's naturally going to have a sweet character in its new make before it's even touched wood. Um, It's already going to have a slightly sweet character as opposed to the single malt whiskey having the new Mm -hmm. make spirit. It's a, there will be some flavor, but it's very minimal. Um, so you don't want to lose any of that, whereas with bourbon, there's a lot of flavor already right. in that new spirit. So you can right. play with that a little bit more, I think. So in in that kind of aspect, right, like when someone's going out and saying, I want to try single malt, obviously the Aberfeldy 12 is, is a good starting point. What would be another kind of uh, spirit in your line that you would say, here's another one if you were going to kind of progress, this is another one that you should try kind of in your in your initial testing of, of going into single malt? So in terms of the whiskey that we've got, kind of in our portfolio as a company, I think what you've just done there, kind of having the Aberfeldy and then the Craig Ellicke, mm-hmm. the reason for it, I think one of the best things to do if you're trying to get into Scotch whiskey is learning your regions and your kind of area map right. a little bit more. You know, we talked really briefly about how Highland single malts typically are quite floral, a little bit sweeter. Um, Speyside whiskey is typically a bit more of the fruity, still quite mm-hmm. a light-bodied kind of spirit. And then your Isla, Isla whiskeys where you're getting, you know, Laphroaig, Lagavulin, Ardbeg, Those Omar. are the ones that'll hit you. The, the ones that have got that peated and, again, smoky character. A lot of times people will say, you know, the first whiskey they tried was something like Laphroaig. It's like jumping in the pool, both feet first, when you've not learned yeah. how to swim. It's, um, it's a, quite a strong character. And obviously some people love it. Some people think that's amazing, it's perfect. It's everyone's palate is different and what whiskey you like. And I think trying different regions is the best way to work your way through that. Mm-hmm. So kind of, yeah, like I said, what you've got here, we've got the Aberfeldy 12 or the, the Craig Ellicke, um, two different regions, two One's slightly this, one, different. This is the Speyside, right? The Craig yep. Ellicke, Speyside, and, and Aberfeldy, obviously, is Highland. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. Yeah, and it's great. So, all right, people in the U.S. are going to go because everybody makes the joke, right? You can't make scotch without bourbon. All right, we get that. It's a, a bad joke. But like what kind, and the reason they say X is the barrels. So obviously, you know, what kind of cat, where you, where do you get your cast from? Like, cause I know that'll be a big question. Like people are, are wondering, and it's actually a really funny thing. It's uh, some people will base their decision on what scotch they're going to try and get into based off like the casts where they get them from mm-hmm. silly maybe, but it's interesting. Yeah, I mean, we could use uh, a, a variation of different bourbon distilleries throughout uh, throughout the US. Uh, obviously, it just has to be a good quality bourbon cask primarily. That's really what we're looking for is 
the casks we're using, we don't want to we'll say cheap out on the casks right, and sure. then end up spoiling something that could have been amazing like the Aberfeldy 12. So we'll use various different sources for the bourbon casks. Uh, the same with sherry as well. Uh, very broadly speaking, the majority of single malt whiskey is using both bourbon and mm, sherry right. casks. Uh, we mentioned very briefly that bourbon casks are primarily used because they're less expensive, they're smaller. Uh, obviously, if you guys over uh, creating the bourbon, typically the casks are only used one time. Mm-hmm. You want to get rid of the casks after you've used them, and who else? You waste of yeah, wood, right? Absolutely. You want to cut down a million trees, and absolutely. <laughs> and we we're needing them as well. It. We're needing the casks. So, so like, the interesting thing too about it is right. Like some people are, think look at scotch and say the the color, right? So from the U.S. perspective, we're so trained on like color can mean different flavor, right? The darker the spirit, mm-hmm. the more rich flavors you might have in it. Whereas it's not that, and that's where you're seeing it, right? Like from a bourbon barrel, you're getting that, you know, one, two, three, four char level. It's the first time that you're using that barrel. Whereas, you know, scotch, you're not going to see that. So what is, you know, what's something that you would say to to someone if they're like looking for a color variation? Should that matter in what they're looking for in their scotch? Uh, Yeah, absolutely. So if you like um, quite sweet characters, uh, kind of your honey, vanilla Mm -hmm. type characters, you're going to be looking for something that used a bourbon cask primarily. Um, that's going to be a whiskey that's going to have uh, a lighter color, kind of that gold kind of classic whiskey color. Which is color. completely different from what like, you're, like a lot of people that drink bourbon are trained to say. Darker, yeah. darker you're going to get more flavor, whereas scotch, lighter, you're going to get more fruity, sweet notes. Yeah, so a lighter spirit is going to give you the kind of honey vanilla mm-hmm. because it's from the bourbon cask. Naturally, it's going to pull those those flavors across. Uh, and then sherry, that's where you're getting the dark red color and the more rich, fruity flavors. Again, very broadly speaking, that can change with each distillery's kind of preference with that. You have to also take into account with most kind of standard single malt whiskey, they do use coloring in, in the, the bottling process. Mm-hmm. And it's something that when you say it, a lot of people are kind of shocked by they feel kind of lied to by the main reason for it is consistency it's the reason we do it is an industry standard um the reason for it isn't to fool anyone and we would never you know make a whiskey really dark and try and sell it off as a really old sherry obviously you legally couldn't do that by any means uh the reason for it is it's to enhance the the colors that are already in the spirit and again consistency you know if you buy a bottle of abrafelli 12 today take it home with you back to the states and buy another bottle there it'll be a different batch and you want it to look exactly the same. You want it to be the same product. Yeah. So you're going to have, I mean, everyone's going to have a little, like you're, you, you have to have that consistency obviously across the board, but I think that's just where that's real interesting. And, and because everyone should try whiskey, all the different ones, right? Whether Mm -hmm. it's the whiskey with an E or whiskey without the E. And, and that's where like, it is funny where color starts to play a role like someone will see it and think that oh it's just light because i know i look at like some bourbons and i'm like that's way too light i'm not gonna like that it's gonna taste weird and by the way the the craig gallicky i said it right yep right i can still taste it Mm -hmm. i and that's to me that's a standard for whiskey that is great when you can sit and have this conversation and you can kind of close your mouth and it's still there like and, and it's something I've never had before. And I think this, uh, it, that, that it's really cool that, that you, you chose that in it as a favorite. And I, because now I'm going to have to buy it. So thank you. Um, every, everywhere that I go, I start to like realize that my whiskey uh, addiction is getting more and more expensive because everything yeah. I try just keeps going up and up and up. 
<laughs> so um, tell uh, kind of everybody about like the distillery. Like, you know, you, you guys won an award not that long ago uh, for being, you know, uh, a destination in Scotland and just kind of about the visitor center, kind of like what we talked about, what it used to be and kind of some of the cool things you can see. So, you know, people can get an idea and obviously add it to their places that they stop at when they make a visit over. Yeah, absolutely. And to be honest, we absolutely love when people from the States come over because a lot of the time they'll tell us about kind of their family enjoying Dewar's for a long time. Mm -hmm. It was, you know, their their grandfather, their great-grandfather, whoever it was, has been drinking Dewar's all their life and they wanted to come and see the distillery. And it's it's really nice. I, I was a tour guide here for a short time, or quite a long time rather. Um, so I spoke to quite a lot of guys from the States who had, you know, that type of story. It was nice hearing that sort of thing. Um, as well, obviously, uh, I mentioned to yourself uh, a few years ago we won the uh, the best visitor attraction in Scotland mm-hmm. awards. I said it was a year or so after I joined, so I took full credit for that. Um, <laughs> well done. Uh, thank you very much. Saw my CV, uh, my <laughs> resume. Um, but yeah, obviously, it was a well uh, well justified award. I, I think not to pat ourselves on the back too much. And um, but yeah, on site here we've got the visitor center. Um, I mentioned it used to be our old malting floor, and um, so that's been completely transformed. I think 2014 uh, we done a lot of work. Uh, refurbing the visitor center there's a cafe on site we've got a licensed bar where we sell um, a, a large range of the the whiskeys under the jurors portfolio mm-hmm. um really nice kind of seating area for dramming it's for gorgeous tasting. i'm going to take pictures right before i leave i mean it is it is a beautiful beautiful setting to come have a drink or just kind of look around and 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 experience like different kind of whiskey culture and history and the uh, the the museum we walked through the museum to get through to the blending room we had a quick look through there it really is you know really nice being able to have all this archive material and you know that's kind of primarily down to the archive team based in Glasgow you know Jackie Sargent for example uh, she's been at the company for uh, quite a while in 1998 I believe she started uh, in the, the company uh, and she obviously just kind of fell in love with the archive and the material the the different bits and pieces with the company and she's managed to bring all these pieces together what we've got here in the museum, it's about 2 or 3% maybe of our total archive. Most okay. of it's based in our headquarters, a head office down in Glasgow as well. Um, it's really something that I've never seen at any other distilleries, the extent of the, the archive material that we've got on display and ready for people to, to look at. Yeah, it, it's it's a beautiful distillery. Definitely recommend it if, you're, if you get over to Scotland. It is, it's in rural Scotland. You're kind of starting to go up north, getting... Are we in the Cairngorm National Forest technically here or outskirts? So we're not technically in the Cairngorms, but we are technically in the Highlands. Um, it's something that's quite a common misconception. Uh, the sign for the Highlands for you know people visiting uh, it is still further north from here, but technically, technically we are in the Highlands still. I mean, you can look around, you know, north and south of here, and you've got a hill on either side. We're in a glen. We're mm. in the Highlands. Um, so yeah, it's a, a Highland single malt whiskey, right in the heart of. Uh, of Scotland, you know, on the map, you pinpoint Aberfeldy, it's pretty much exactly in the heart of where Scotland Scotland is. Um, so it's really nice, like you said, a really beautiful site that we've got here as well. So kind of the last thing, this was one of the nerdy pieces that we talked talk through and we'll kind of wrap up. Um, the water source, like mm-hmm. kind of explain that process. And you, you kind of told me where it comes from and then how it ended. And it was just kind of like, oh, wow, that's really cool how you do that. So kind of walk them, walk everyone through that. Yeah, so the uh, the water source we use is the uh, Patili burn. Uh, historically, we're not the only distillery to have ever used this particular burn to create a distillery. Um, through the years, you know, in the Aberfeldy uh, area and Perth and Kinross area here, there's been a lot of distilleries up and down kind of through the years. But the water itself, uh, the Patili burn, one of the, the main factors we talk about is the pockets of alluvial gold, you know. 
we're not going to go rushing out later on and with our, our pans and try and make <laughs> our fortune. Um, you'll be very hard to find any kind of pieces of gold in right. there now. Um, but, you know, historically there was pieces of alluvial gold found in the water source and that's what kind of gives the Aberfeldy single malt the kind of the nickname, the golden dram, uh, is because that kind of the gold from the mm-hmm. start sort of thing. And it's a really nice thing to be able to kind of talk about. Um, and obviously for almost all whiskey distilleries, the water source, like I said to you, could arguably be the most important ingredient Correct. if it's a good quality water source. You know, something we get asked a lot, you know, do you clean the water? How do you clean it? Well, we don't too much because otherwise what's the point using mm-hmm. that particular water? Um, it's but, part of the flavor profile. Absolutely. It's, you know, it's part of the reason Japanese whiskey is so popular nowadays as well. You know, it's the water source they're using is right. very pure. It's very clean, fresh uh, water, similar to the water we've got in the, the Highlands here. And then the process, though, right, like and, and the end, how you kind of redistribute the water back. Yeah, absolutely. So we do use, obviously, the water from the Petili burn in the whiskey itself to make the whiskey. Uh, we also utilise um, a reservoir on site as well, using the same water source. Uh, the water we collect in the reservoir we use in the production side of things. So the example that we kind of talked about briefly earlier on was in the warm tub condensers. The water we use in the condensing process, so to cool the spirit mm-hmm. down as it comes out the still, um, that water is water from the burn. We use it. We cool it back down again. Obviously, the temperature is going right. to increase using it. Uh, and it's treated to make sure there's no uh, nothing being picked up from the distillery. And then it's put back through to the River Tay on the other side. Uh, the River Tay is the largest river in Scotland as well. So it's obviously something we want to keep it's beautiful. pure. We want to keep it fresh as well. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's really interesting. We borrow the water in that way as opposed to using it. Right. Like uh, Yeah, uh, that, that part was just so awesome that you were kind of saying how that process. So, uh, Craig, tell everyone where they can follow, uh, you know, uh, Aberfeldy, Doers, you know, some other people in your portfolio. So if they're online, they want to follow you on social media. Yeah, so obviously you've got um, the at Jurors Aberfeldy Distillery uh, social media, the Facebook page as well. Uh, myself, it's at Pacman Craig at Instagram. <laughs> uh, I'm only on Instagram at the moment. Um, I gotta add you on there. That's, that's my a own great name. That's my own personal one. It's the one I use for uh, Xbox Live and PlayStation and all the rest of it. I've had it since I was like 14 years old. Ten years later, still using it. It's all right. You got to keep good ones, right? Like if it's uh, it's there. Uh, there you go. I now gave you a follow. Uh, Craig, thank you so much for for showing me around for welcoming. This was like kind of last minute. I think we just talked yeah. yesterday. I was on the train up from London. This is a beautiful spot. Uh, I definitely hope uh, you know that. I know a lot of you that are listening are planning, you know, I guess you would call them pilgrimages to Scotland. Um, definitely add this to the list of places. It's a, it's a beautiful distillery. They're doing a lot of really cool things. Uh, like I said, thank you so much for uh, coming on Bourbon with Friends. No, thank you very much for coming. I know it's obviously a, a long way for you to come, and I'm glad you can make the time to, to stop by and have a look at our site here. And uh, it was good to be on the show. I'm really happy to be on it. And uh, like I said, had a little look and you guys are definitely up and up and coming and it's you know you're already almost Appreciate there aren't you and <laughs> um, so it's good to be able to have have the opportunity to be on the show and, and you're you get the uh get the uh, status of the very first international podcast of bourbon with friends i know absolutely it's really it's an honor yeah connor don't worry stay asleep buddy you lazy ass you can <laughs> get on number two or three i guess anyway thank you so much everyone for listening definitely try some of their products and remember a bourbon with friends can change the world That's it for this episode of Bourbon with Friends. Be sure to subscribe so you don't miss a single episode. While you're at it, leave us a review to make it easier for others to find the show. You can also check us out on Instagram at BWF Podcast. Thanks for listening.